Sound Ideas Audio presents a gray area production of Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, Episode 4. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost. It had vanished, and he found himself once more in his bed, in his dressing gown, and his nightcap on his head. He heard the clock strike, and then he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley, and, lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming toward him like a mist along the ground. The spirit slowly, gravely, silently approached. In the very air through which it moved, it seemed to scatter gloom and mystery. I am the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And I need to scream. I am about to show you the shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen in time before us. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any spectre I have seen. Lead on. Lead on. The night is waning fast, and, and it is precious time. Scrooge followed in the shadow of its dress, which bore him up, he thought, and carried him along. And suddenly, they were in a room which Scrooge seemed to remember having seen before, where a woman and a child were. Oh, my son, my little son, Tiny Tim, I loved him so. Mother dear, you mustn't. It's almost time for father to be home. Don't let him see you crying. Yes, Martha. He's late tonight. He walks slower than he used to, and yet I've known him to walk very fast indeed, with Tiny Tim on his shoulder. So have I, Mother. But he was light to carry, and his father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble at all. Bob! Good evening, my dear. You're late, Bob. I'm sorry, my dear. I went to the churchyard today. I wish you could have gone with me. It would have done your heart good to see how sweet and green a place it is. You'll see it often. I promised him. I promised Tiny Tim we'd walk there on a Sunday. Oh, Bob. Bob. It's God's will, my dear. My, oh, my son. My little son. Tiny Tim, I loved him so. Scrooge tried to break through the shade that held him, to talk with Bob Cratchit, to speak some word of comfort, but the sleeve of the ghost of Christmas yet to come passed in front of him and shut the family from his view. And now they were in an obscure part of the town where Scrooge had never been before. The ways were foul and narrow, the shops and houses wretched, the people drunken, slipshod, ugly, the whole quarter reeked with crime and filth and misery. Deep 
in this den of infamous resort, there was a low-browed, beetling pawnshop where iron, old rags and bottles were brought, and there was an old charwoman standing at the counter. Undo my bundle, Joe. I hope Scrooge and Dime nothing catching, eh? Don't be afraid. I ain't so fond of his company that I'd take a chance of that. Oh, you may look through that shirt till your eyes ache and you won't find an hole in it. It's the best he had, and a fine one too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me. What do you call a waste of it, Mrs. Tilver? Putting it on him to be buried in. Somebody was fool enough to do it. But I took it off him again. If Calico ain't good enough for such a purpose, it ain't good enough for anything. He can't look uglier than he did in that one. The old horror. Hey, <laughs> and here's his bed curtains. Small use he'll have for him where he's going. <laughs> That's the truest word you ever spoke, Mrs. Dilber. So this is the end of him, you see. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive to profit us when he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> The phantom spread its dark robe before him for a moment like a wing, and withdrawing it revealed another place, a churchyard, walled in by houses, overrun by grass and weeds, choked up with too much burying, fat with repleted appetite, a worthy place. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Scrooge crept toward it. Trembling as he went, and following the finger read upon the stone of the neglected grave, his own name. Spirit. Spirit, am I... Am I the man who lay dead upon that bed? The spirit pointed from the grave to him and back again, and the upper portion of its deep black garment was contracted for an instant in its folds, as if it had inclined its head. And then Scrooge saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrank, collapsed, and dwindled into a bedpost. Yes, And the bedpost was his own. The bed was his own. The room was his own. Best and happiest of all, the time before him was his own, to make amends in. Running to the window, he opened it. He put out his head, no fog, no mist, clear, bright, jovial, stirring, cold, cold piping for the blood to dance to, golden sunlight, Heavenly sky, sweet fresh air, merry bells, oh, glorious, glorious. Boy, boy, what's today? Eh, what's that, sir? What day is it, my fine fellow? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day. Christmas Day! Christmas Day, then I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. All in one night, I don't know what I... I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm as light as a feather. I'm, a, I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. <laughs> have a merry Christmas to everybody. A happy New Year. A happy New Year to all the world. <laughs> Hello. 
Next morning, next morning, Scrooge was early at his office. He went early for a reason. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. That was the thing he'd set his heart upon, and he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine, no Bob. A quarter past, no Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in. At last he came. His hat was off before he opened the door, his comforter too. He was on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pen, as if he were trying to overtake nine o'clock. Eight and seven are fifteen, carry the one twenty-four, carry the two, thirty-one, five are thirty-six. Hello? You, uh, Cratchit! Yes, sir. Cratchit, step this way, Cratchit, if you please. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Cratchit, what do you mean by coming in at this time of day? Uh, I'm very sorry, sir. I'm behind my time. You are? Yes, I think you are. It's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. And I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, and therefore, Bob Cratchit, I'm about to raise your salary. Are you, are you quite yourself, sir? No, no, thank heaven. I'm not quite myself. Merry Christmas, Bob. <laughs> Merry Christmas, my good fellow. A merrier Christmas than I've given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and we'll see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family. We'll discuss it this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking Bishop, Bob. Make up the fires. Make them up and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. And Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Thank you for listening to this Gray Area production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Happy holidays from the entire Gray family.